calling all authors. Unleash your creativity and join Wild Ink Publishing's literary movement. We are seeking poetry, personal essays, and short stories for Uncensored Ink, a banned book-inspired anthology. This is your chance to illuminate the shadows of censorship, challenge the norms, and be a part of a collection that celebrates the power of expression. Submissions open in October during Banned Book Month. For more information, visit www.wild-inc-publishing.com. Thank you for joining us in our fight for intellectual freedom. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. We'll be talking today with Kristen Oda about her experience as a high school teacher in Utah. And we're talking about the book To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, which was published in 1960. A little bit about Kristen really quick. She was named Educator of the Year at Copper Hills High School in in, in Salt Lake. Is that in Salt Lake? Uh, it's in West Jordan. Okay. But Salt Lake Somewhere. County. Yeah, basically Salt Lake. But yeah. To me, it's Salt Lake. It's not <laughs> Salt Lake. Believe me, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It is far out west. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh no, you, you leave oh. this. You leave this, Eden. Go ahead. Well, well I invited Kristen here because uh, you posted something really compelling on Instagram. Uh, and that was you talking about getting educator of the year for the high school year te- you were teaching at and then quitting at the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, walk us through that. Um, okay, so I taught for seven years. Um, and all those seven years were in Utah. The first two years I taught at Payson High School, which is very far south in uh, Utah County. And then I um, transferred to Copper Hills High School, which is in West Jordan, um, which is in Salt Lake County. And yeah, I was just doing my teaching thing and I, I really liked it. I was an English teacher. I did all different levels. I, I taught a lot of sophomores, the regular classes and the honors. And then I also, once I got my master's, I was able to teach concurrent classes. So like intro to writing classes through Slick for like the seniors and stuff. So yeah, I was doing that. I didn't ever think I'd be in the classroom for 30 years. Um, But I had thought like, oh, maybe I'll eventually get my PhD and like go on to like the university level, but like within education. But then it was about, I don't know, it was around, uh, January of 2023 where suddenly I'm just like I don't know if I can do this anymore also side note I didn't have my Adderall at that point because there was a shortage <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. it's like okay I can't make any life decisions when I don't have my medication you know so I get it back after a while and then like I'm starting to feel normal again but then I'm like I still feel like I don't think I want to come back next school year and I, I like that video you mentioned um one of the main things I had realized was like okay I've known I'm a good teacher and like it is good to get like that affirmation from people and be recognized for like your hard work and whatever but ultimately as a teacher I got teacher of the year did I get a raise no <laughs> actually I got $500 which is great but like if you got a raise that would be an extra $500 a month you know yeah, um yeah. 
they're very good about being like, we appreciate you. You're great. Like give you recognition. But like in the professional world, that's about it. When I'm like, if I was at a different company and I was the best employee out of a hundred plus employees, like, don't you think I'd be getting more than just like Mm -hmm. balloons and stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like it was nice, but I'm like, this is just another example of why education is a tough place to be. (laughs) It's very, uh, great British baking show where you give up so much time of your life so much stress and then all you get is a little little cake stand (laughs) (laughs) i love that maybe some more followers on instagram but you don't even have to win for that yeah uh kristen how many hours were you like putting into your job a week do you think like and how many clubs were you part of because from what i saw on instagram you'd also had like you were teaching a wide range of of students and like it seemed like you were putting everything you could into these classes. Like, it really felt like if I yeah. had a teacher like you, it would have been pretty life-changing for me as a student. Just, like, how your think, kids yeah. that were means very... I just like, they seemed well like they love you. <laughs> <laughs> they, I Overall, yes, I did have a good relationship with my students. Um, I did want to make sure that I'm, like, I'm not going to be that teacher that burns out, you know? And so I was, like pretty proud of myself once I made it to year five because like what 50% of teachers don't make it that long mm-hmm. I'm like yay but also if you're teaching high school then that's when you could like be a coach or you could be an advisor for a club or all these different things there's just a lot more opportunity to like get to know your students but also like work more <laughs> and uh-huh. so um the biggest club that took my time was the Latinos in Action class and club. Um, and I loved it. And it was something that, like, gave meaning to my job. Because, like, I'd have these kids, like, for three years straight. And they, like, um, were awesome. And I could see them grow up. And I learned about their culture. Because I'm not Latina myself, um, for those of you who can't see me. Um, <laughs> but so it was like it added a lot of meaning to my job but it was also a lot of time and so like whenever they had socials like that was my friday night you know and i'd probably be the only adult there with like 50 kids being kids you know um and so i would just it'd be like eight o'clock i'm like guys can we please like can we finish (laughs) up they're like why this is fun i'm like for you <laughs> I want to go home like I've been here since 7 a.m like so I would yeah. have those days where it's like 13 hours at the school where I'm like I don't want to be here anymore <laughs> and when I was a newer teacher I'm like look at me like I'm doing these things and kids appreciate me and I feel fulfilled but after a few years I'm like I got to the point where I'm like I know I'm a good teacher and I know they like me and I like them too, but I just don't care as much as I used to. And maybe it's because I need, I'm like the type of person that needs to be told like, great job. And then once I know that I'm doing a good job, I'm like, okay, I'm done working hard. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I'm done like going above and beyond because I know I can. And I noticed, I know people appreciated me. So now I'm just going to not. So I don't know. I think that's, I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, I just don't care as much as I used to. And I didn't want to get to that point. I didn't want to get to the point where then I was angry. Another thing, my students were good, but the the trends I was seeing within our school and the district and just the country, I'm like, I don't want to be the change. I'm too tired. Can you explain what you mean by that? 
Like what trends? So there's a lot of things and I had a lot of things that were great about my job. Other teachers might not have and other things that are bad about mine, they might not deal with. So like a lot of teachers will be like, I spend my, my personal money on like classroom supplies. I've never done that. Like they, we had a pretty good budget and like anything in my classroom, unless it was like personal stuff, like I didn't pay for and I don't have to worry about that. So like when teachers will talk about that stuff, I'm like, I can't relate. And so in some ways I'm lucky. Um, but I guess what was happening, I mean, the biggest change was the pandemic. We made a lot of exceptions for kids because obviously school was not the priority. Um, they were like online. So like what to 2020, March, 2020, they went online and no classes were live. It was just like on canvas, which is like, they knew how to use it. Um, but it was basically like load your lessons on there and they just do it on their own. And it was not good and it was very boring. And so our principal was like, be lenient and let them turn in whatever they need at the very, up to the very end, you know, like let's just pass them basically. Um, so, the, and I understood that cause I'm like, really like what's strange. What is the point yeah. of these assignments right now? They're not learning anything. So then we get back in person, but we're still pretty lenient with things like attendance and tardies. Um, and it just like i feel like we just never got back to like the um the rules that we once had um and so the kids just seem to get a little wilder and wilder <laughs> i don't know um i know it's a lot harder for elementary school teachers cuz they're like these kids never learned how to sit in a chair and so for us i'm like these kids the last time they were in a school setting like they were 8th graders so like they learned it just has to be reminded so i feel like high school teachers didn't have to deal with a lot of reteaching just how to be a student like the elementary and junior high um but we did have to like teach them of like you're in high school you have to get shit done so um it was kind of like that i actually lucked out things inside my classroom were okay and we like for the most part i felt like my students respected me and like did what they were supposed to do and they weren't like rude or anything like that but like the second i would walk out of my classroom i'd just be like okay here we go like I'm gonna go to the bathroom now and who am I gonna catch in there doing things they're not supposed to and are they gonna first of all I look very young and so it'd be a lot of times they might think I'm an actual student and so if I go in there and I have to be a teacher they'll be like well who the hell are you and I'd be like teacher (laughs) stop vaping you know like I just want to go to the bathroom as a normal adult but I can't even do that you know or like oh I need to get some papers from the office well now I have to walk to the office and who am I gonna see and who am I gonna tell like go to class you know like it was just getting so old where I'm like I am always like on guard of like what's gonna happen and I hate that mentality of like let's catch kids being bad because that's like the second you think they're being bad then you're gonna you know then they are bad and I was just getting to the point where I'm like, I'm turning into an angry, grumpy teacher. And I do not want to be that person. And so one, it was kind of like, ah, we don't have an attendance policy and I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I'm kind of just done. And I don't want to be that teacher that complains a lot because teachers do complain a lot. And I try not to be like part of that, but I also don't want to be like toxic and super positive but I'm like okay I did what I could I changed my bathroom policy I did all these things 
And now if I just keep complaining, but nothing's changing, then I'm out. So for me, it might've been different than other teachers. Other teachers like the kids are just so bad or whatever. I'm like, for me, it's the fact that we don't have um, rules for these kids and like there's no consequences. And so of course they're gonna be bad because nothing happens. They get a slap on the wrist if if that even happens. And I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. Like they need, they need uh, structure. Yeah. <laughs> And if I'm saying that, because, like, people would call me, like, the chill teacher. But, like, if I'm saying that, then there is a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that parents would be okay if you did bring in structure? Like, do you think that the parents of your students would have been, like, fine with it? Or do you think there would have been pushback? Um, it's weird because that's another thing is, like, it feels like parents are not on our side whatsoever. And one of the things was, like, if we got a attendance policy, a lot of parents had a problem with it. I'm like, why would you have a problem with your kid going to class on time? You know, like, but they just like, I don't know. They just really advocate for their kid in a way where I'm like, you're making them like not independent and reliable. So then the kids realize, oh, this is fake. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah there are no real consequences. Something I've noticed, and I don't know, like, I taught high school for one year. And it was so mm-hmm. hard. But I noticed that the biggest trial to getting, having my students have accountability was their parents. Like, they would, like, fight any so, sort of accountability. And it was like, I'm not saying your kid's a bad kid. I'm just yeah. saying that if they break this rule, then, you know, like, I'm not going to pass this kid. I've never seen him in class all semester. Yeah. He's not going to pass. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was, like, the even the administration, but mostly the parents were, like, no, he deserves, like, it was really odd. And I don't know if it was, and maybe you can speak to this, but I don't know if it was fallout from COVID or if it's a new generation of parents having kids in high school who mm-hmm. don't see the value or if there is a lot of just, like, bad faith in public servants as well. Because I was mm-hmm. even, like, so my, my big chat that I had was with a person who I love dearly. Um, I think he's wonderful, but we had this long conversation about like librarians and cause he was like all upset that they were banning that they, that I was upset about book banning. Cause he was like, well, librarians can't really be trusted essentially. And neither can teachers cause they're just handing, you know, like the essential mm-hmm. argument was that like teachers and librarians are making pornography accessible for children. <laughs> and I was like, I, and so I, <laughs> so that was like, and I, I tried to be like, well, you were a child, like, 15 years ago. Were people just pushing porn on you? Like, were these adults in these jobs doing that? Like, because things haven't changed. They still have the same job. But, like, there's just this interesting distrust that I, like, I don't know if you experienced that or if that has to do with COVID. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it was a really strange conversation. And, like, there was just nowhere to go because there was that inherent Uh, distrust. Because I was like, go talk to a teacher about this. Or go talk to a librarian. I think... Yeah, books have always existed. English teachers have always existed and librarians, you know. I think it really is just, like, the political debate. You know, it's something that gets parents mad, and so they use it as this, like, leverage. Um, But it's like, okay, if we're going to talk about people providing porn, did you buy your kid a phone? Because (laughs) that is much more dangerous than any book. You know, it's just like... These things, things exist regardless of what we do, but like a book, 
is not going to do not. nearly as much damage in any way as that phone that you most likely gave yeah. your kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even if they were to read a book that was somewhat pornographic, that is how many hours of their life when they spend hours of their life on their phones. And I'm not saying they're watching porn the whole time, but, yeah. like, it's just, like, you're if that's your logic then you better be getting rid of any other form or any device or anything in their life that could potentially be pornographic. And so if you're not willing to do the other parts and put blocks on their phone and all these other things, don't talk about books because your kid's not reading a book anyway. <laughs> you know? That's um, exactly... It's just like, it just it boggles my mind where I'm like, okay, and also <laughs> they think we have this agenda. And honestly, my agenda is to be like, I would love for your kid to think for himself. That would be amazing. Um, and if they disagree with what I believe, that's fine too. <laughs> like, I really just want them to like, have the ability to do research on their own and not just follow what everyone else is thinking. Although as an English teacher, I was super careful because I could easily have a target on my back. Like I'm ex-Mormon, um, I'm a lesbian. Um, and it was very, like, I never told my beliefs to my students. Like I would go out of my way to never state my beliefs and that we're not supposed to as teachers. Right. But by merely existing, they can make assumptions about what I think that are probably going to be spot on, (laughs) you know? And so, like, I had to be super careful to be like, okay, they probably think this about me. They're probably correct, but nothing about what I'm saying or doing is going to make them think that. They're just going to look at me and be like, she has short hair. She's a lesbian, you know? Like, so she probably thinks this, but it's like... That's not, that's not, I'm existing. So that's not against the rules. Um, so, but yeah, I was super careful to always be like, okay, imagine like a really conservative parent is in here. Um, like what should I say so that they wouldn't be mad? And that's like really how I taught. And it was weird because I started teaching at Payson. So like, for those of you who are not familiar with Payson, it is like the, the, the student demographic is like, um, like middle class, lower middle class. Um, a good amount is LDS. A good amount of like the white people are pretty poor. There's a drug problem. About 20% is Latino. We've got like farm kids and they have a rodeo club. They are for real. Like they're not just wearing the boots. Like they are actually living on like farms and all that stuff. So when I was teaching there, um, Trump got elected while I was there. It didn't have that same feeling that eventually came with, with Trump and all that stuff. Um, regardless of like how you think of him, like he didn't have the hold on his political party as he does now. So at that point, it didn't seem like a big deal. And then it was, and it was fine. They eventually found out I was gay and it was like, whoa, Miss Oda's gay. And then they got over it. Right. And then I went to a different (laughs) school and I was out from the moment I was there and it wasn't a big deal. Um, but it's strange because some of the books, like I taught a book, it was called death coming up the hill. It took place during the Vietnam War, and it's written by Chris Crow, who is a BYU professor. And it definitely takes the side of, like, Vietnam War, bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, 
But it was written by this BYU professor who actually was just like awarded professor of the year at BYU like a couple years ago. Like he's very well respected and all that. But I was teaching it then a few years later now at Copper Hills where it was not the demographic like at Payson. And I was getting to the point where I'm like, ooh, I think some of these parents would not be happy with this book. And I had not been thinking like that years prior with the demographic that definitely might have a problem. You know, it was definitely giving more like liberal thoughts. It wasn't, you know, and it was taking place during the Vietnam War. So it's not like what's going on now. But I was like, I feel a little bit concerned that a student might say something to their parent and they'll get mad. And that was just wild to me because I'm like, this was a book written by a BYU professor. And it's gotten to the Mm -hmm. point where I can't say anything about any topic that is somewhat divided that even this book is making me feel like a little uncertain. And that was just like, wow, I have to be on my guard all the time because I don't want any mad parents. You know, yeah, and I actually did avoid that, um, but I was that's also because I was like super paranoid, yeah, yeah, mm. that sucks, that does <laughs> suck, especially because we all know, like, I, I would say that both sides can uh, probably have been able to acknowledge in the past that the Vietnam War is messy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there wasn't like, you yeah, know, it was messy, we didn't win, um, mm-hmm. and the Pentagon Papers weren't. A great reflection of things but like um it, that's so fascinating that's a really good example of that kind of paranoia that should well and that and that was something yeah. that was in the past right it yeah. was getting to the point where i could we could i didn't feel comfortable even saying racism bad you know not because the kids wow. are like not because they didn't agree with me but because like we should not be bringing up that stuff and you know before you could just be like um yeah, slavery is really bad and racism is bad and we're still dealing with that and that's bad. And like, I felt like I couldn't even say that because that would just like, people be like, um, what are you trying to tell my kids? You know, like I felt like I couldn't even say that anymore. I'm like, that, you know? And like, I'm sure it would have been fine. But like I said, I'm like, I do not want a target on my back. Um, The last thing I want is an angry parent. So I just avoided those conversations. (laughs) You know, which you is teach- sad because it's an English class. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you yeah. teach uh, To Kill a Mockingbird then? Um, to Kill a- Okay, so <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird was actually summer reading. Um, okay. And Clever. so we didn't spend much time in the class talking about it. Um, <laughs> just, just assign all the hard books for summer reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I and I'm like, what, if there's an N-word, I'm like, and we're reading Latin, I'm like, what do we do? Like, so I never taught a book that said, like, the N-word, in, that had it written um because I'm like I don't even know what to do in that situation so yeah they read it on their own um and so and what makes that one easier is like that was a long time ago so it's just like we're commenting on the past you know obviously we could make connections to now but that's that's like where I'd be careful of like how do we see racism now how do we see these things like that would make me feel a little worried um whoa yeah Because, like, now we're getting to the point where it's, like, people are banning books because they don't want kids to feel guilty for slavery in the past and all that stuff. So I'm like, well, would that make them feel guilty? (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Which is dumb because, like, it's okay to not feel happy all the time. Um, But, yeah, so for To Kill a Mockingbird, it was summer reading. Um, Also, 
people tend to like that book. Like even like the really mm-hmm. religious conservative parents, um, they're like, they read it and they liked it when they were younger because it is an easy thing of like, they're a bad person and Atticus was a good person and saved yeah. them, you know? Um, so I think actually the conservative parents are the ones that are usually most okay with To Kill a Mockingbird. It's the more like liberal people where they're like, well, should we teach this anymore? Cause like they're making Atticus kind of like this white savior and like yeah. you're making mm-hmm. black people not seem as intelligent as they are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's actually interesting cause a lot of reasons why it's getting banned now are more like from liberal views. Um, and so I think yeah. that's actually an interesting book to talk about when it comes to banning because it's not because they're like, it makes them feel bad about racism. That one I never had problems with because a lot of parents would be like, I loved that book. I'm like, great. We're going to talk about it for one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see like a, a, a theme here among the parents. Um, the fact that they were up in arms about in, enacting an attendance policy at your school Mm-hmm. and them wanting to protect not not specifically your body of parents yeah but parents in general who are ba- pushing for book bans mm-hmm. are trying to p- quote unquote protect their children from what they see as like a threat to them yeah. whether mm-hmm. like attendance is oh no that's going to force my kid to wake up early <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know what the, the, the bad consequence of having an attendance policy would be, but mm-hmm. um, versus, like, yeah, it feels like something they can control, which is yeah. ironic because they can control whether or not their child has a phone. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but, like, my first exposure to pornography was from a kid, from a kid, from another mm-hmm. kid, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, yeah. no no librarian most of whom have master's degrees will go <laughs> out of their way to be like, hey, come here, little kid. Come behind my shelves and yeah. look at this. Well, it yeah. also asks the question, what is the role of a teacher? Is the role of a teacher to indoctrinate a certain idea or belief system? Or is the role of a teacher to just get someone prepared for college or for whatever trade they're getting to? Or is it to learn how to critically think and Mm -hmm. like so I think those are the questions and I think we have a fundamental misunderstanding in society about Mm -hmm. what the role of these teachers are and what the role of librarians are like Mm -hmm. I tried to ask the person I was talking to like well I think the role of librarian is not to give you your kid books that your kid wants to read the role of librarian is to to keep books accessible whether your kid wants to read them or not that's why Mein Kampf is still in libraries um, they're not pushing it on anybody, but they're just keeping information. They're keeping that peaceful exchange of information is what the um, uh, American Library Association said. Nice. And I think teachers are the same way. Like, I don't think that your job is to tell me that Vietnam was wrong. I think your job is to help me understand that Vietnam was complicated and that there's a lot of sides to these issues and to help me figure mm-hmm. out what I actually think. Like, I don't know. And I just think a lot of teachers genuinely do not think that's what education is. I think they really think it is a, a, malleable, a place where people are like just molding children's minds into oh, wait, whatever political parents point. think that. Say that again? Were you tra- is, did you say teachers are trying to manipulate the kids or you think parents think I that? I think parents think that, yeah. Right, right, okay. <laughs> 
No, Kristen, actually, I'm pretty sure <laughs> a good teacher is a witch. Uh, no, but the, the thing that gets me is like, when you were a kid, though, did you even do the reading? These people who were like so involved in these questions, mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, they didn't. Like, and, and they, they're expecting their kid to like really deeply read the book. I read all yeah. the books, but I was a nerd. So like, yeah, yeah, exactly. All the books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, but also, we had English teachers to walk us through it. Uh, yeah. and we're not like left flailing on our own yeah yeah these were also books I had never yeah well okay here's for That's example like yeah. I grew up very conservative and at that point I did have very conservative opinions and beliefs and I knew that teachers tended to be more liberal and I knew especially my English teachers were most likely Democrats when I did not identify as that at all and my parents didn't yeah. and don't still um, but even with that knowledge, like I respected them and I really liked them. And I remember like my teacher even saying like, oh, I hate Ayn Rand, like, you know, and cause I had read like the fountainhead or something yeah. for my individual project. She even told me straight out, like she didn't like it. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm still going to read it. You know, like I wasn't yeah. worried. I'm like, I knew that she had different opinions than me, but I was like totally fine with that. Like it didn't yeah. bother me. And I didn't feel like she was pushing anything on me, even though I knew her beliefs and she was very outspoken about her beliefs. And I'm like that, like, it's okay to know people have different opinions and it's mm -hmm. fine. And I don't know. Also, because I grew up like that, I do know how a lot of parents think and like my mom was one of those parents who was like didn't like a lot of the books that we read in school. She actually like didn't we were reading um uh night the mm -hmm. one about the uh, yeah the holocaust and being in the internment camps or not internment camps of uh, the Death camps. Concentration. Concentration camps, right? Um, and my mom just, like, she's just, like, it's just a really intense book. And so she asked my teacher if I could read the version that was translated by the author's wife. And apparently it was a little less, like, graphic, maybe. Um, and so, like, I was super embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, mom, it's not that big of a deal. But, like, she's an example of someone who's, like, I, will, I have a solution, and I'm going to ask. I'm not going to make a big deal and be yeah. like, none of these kids can read this book because I have a problem with it. My daughter even is still going to read it. And I'm asking that we can do this. And it didn't have to be a big deal. And it was fine. Even like she didn't even let my older sister take AP Lit. Like I even, I took it. But like at that point, she didn't even want my older sister taking it. because She's like, it's just the, the content is just too much. And so my mom did have very strong and strict beliefs, yeah. but like she wasn't trying to tear down other things. Like I feel like a lot of these parents these days are like, what are you contributing? All you're doing is destroying. You're not like providing a solution. You just like have all these problems, even though you've never stepped in a classroom. And to be fair to parents, most of these people who are banning or fighting for books, they're like one person. It's yeah. like one person mm -hmm. in the district is causing all of this, all these problems. Like this yeah. one parent, she was trying to get some books taken from the library at Copper Hills High School. Her kid wasn't even in high school yet. And so they had to come up with a new rule of like, um, if you have a problem with a book, your kid has to be at that school, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, that was ridiculous, but also most parents, even if they do have a problem, they're not causing a problem. It's like a handful and yeah. 
they have so much power though. It's crazy. It's like really like they, there's not that many parents that are like out there, but there's enough to cause problems and they, they're really changing. It's like kind of scary how much power they have, even though they don't have the numbers. Cause yeah. most people are pretty, cons- not conservative. They're pretty like middle understanding. The, They're yeah. somewhat in the middle. They're like, yeah. I don't like this, but I'm not going to cause like all these problems. But then there's like a couple and they do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of what we found Edith and I there was like 11 people across the whole country where like some school districts didn't have rules and so like mm-hmm. they didn't have kids in these high schools they would just submit blanket submit to all the schools mm-hmm. um like requests to ban books from the, yeah. the school libraries yeah they're responsible that, for and like, that's so nuts uh the majority of book banning I'm gonna find the the percentage because yeah it's not all parents but there is, like, no. I do think the way we talk about it is crazy. I mean, granted, there have been over 1,400 uh, book bannings just this year. And mm. um, summer was half of, was already, <laughs> you know, like, we've just started the school yeah. year. We only had winter uh, semester. So, like, we're, we haven't even done a full school year. And we've already yeah. had almost 1,500 book bannings, um, new, unique book bannings. And so... Uh, that's crazy. I, I'm trying mm-hmm. not to say that anymore. That's wild. Um, but, but yeah, Eden had found this statistic, and it was like 11 parents were responsible, or 11 individuals were responsible for yeah. like over 40% of all of these. I'm going to find it, though. Talk and about it's just yourselves. like, but what are you doing? Yeah, you know, and, it's just and, like, you're not yeah. helping anything. Like, are you making the kids' education better? No. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That did not, maybe you spared some from some information or some things that might not be super appropriate. But once again, if you're worried about your kid's safety, the books are not the problem. They will yeah. find inappropriate things if they want to find it. And the thing is, for most books, if there is inappropriate, inappropriate with quotation marks, uh, content around it, a lot of times it's just because it's too old for them. So they just won't fully understand the meaning or whatever the nuance and yeah. stuff. Or like... It's just, it's, it's like not actually like pornographic. It's like, if you don't understand the book, you totally miss the point. You know, it's not just there for that reason. And Mm -hmm. so it's just, yeah, it's just like, why you, your enemy is the wrong thing. And you're wasting so much energy. Like books already are so unpopular with kids. Like, why are you going to make this even worse? Ugh. I guess banning um, books does make them more popular, though. But that's true. I did find it. It was eleven people were responsible for over sixty percent of book challenges in the twenty one twenty two school year. That's like wow, wild sixty percent. And I was thinking about To Kill a Mockingbird because To Kill a Mockingbird. We're not gonna go into like the plot because we feel like it's required reading in most school districts. If you haven't yeah. read it, just go read it. It's great. Um, or watch the movie. With Gregory Peck, beautiful film. Um, But it's interesting because that book does talk about rape. It does talk about violence. It does talk about abuse. It talks about death a ton. And it talks about our legal system, how complicated it is and how biased it is. It has all those big parts that I think are common in the books that are challenged. But it's funny what you're saying, Kristen, that like it's still a beloved book. Even though Mm -hmm. if you did compare it to the books that are being challenged... I'm sure, you know, without the nostalgia, it would be just as offensive to some people. 
Um, yeah, and I think really what saves it is that it took place when mm. bad racism was happening, but not now, you know? Like, if yeah. you say racism yeah. is bad and you're saying it's now, that's when they're going to start having a problem, I feel like. <sighs> I think you're probably yeah. right. I think you're probably I right. I think so, too. Yeah, because, Nicole, as you were, like, listing off the things that To Kill a Mockingbird has, I, I just recently finished The Hate You Give. Yeah. And The Hate You Give checks those same boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's because, like Kristen was saying, it's contemporary and it ta- and it's from a perspective of a black girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm that it makes people feel like it has more to say that would make white people uncomfortable than To Kill a Mockingbird. It's so sad. Well, and uh, like I had mentioned to you guys earlier, but like within my school district, if I am to teach a book in a classroom setting, it has to be approved by a committee that is like half parents, half teachers. And it's like, it's like a group of six people. (laughs) And they determine if this book is okay to teach in your school district. And they have it by grade as well. So if I were to teach a book, I already know, like, I can't really get in trouble for this because it's been approved. So I kind of had that safety net, but also it like, I couldn't do teach a lot of books because they weren't on that list. And if I wanted it to be maybe um, eventually on the list, then I had to go through the whole process of like provide three books, give the reasons why this is important and why they should do it. And then you have to wait for the like biannual committee thing. So it's like this mm-hmm. whole process, right? But even if that didn't exist, I like a lot of the books that they're banning, like they, a lot of them are because it's about sexuality um, or like racism and stuff like that. But like, I wouldn't be teaching those books to my class, you know? Like I have the hate you give. I have all these books in my classroom library that my kids have the freedom to read on their own. But like, there's no way I would have taught those to a group. like. I want to keep my job, you know? So they're like, they have problems with so many of these books, but I'm like, these books, most of them that you're banning would never be taught in a classroom setting. Yeah. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. like, that's just asking for trouble. Like I will have it in my classroom, but I tell it like on the syllabus, when I give it out in the parents with the sign, I'm like, I provide books just like a normal library. And it's up to you to decide if it's okay with you or not. Like I'm not making you read any of these books. Like yeah. I just provide them. And if you start reading it and you feel uncomfortable or you know your parents would not be happy with you reading it, then put it down. I'm not making you read it. But, like, the books that I have my classroom read together, <laughs> I'm going with pretty safe options. And I think most yeah. teachers would want to, especially now. Yeah. I would never teach The Hate You like, And I think The Hate You Give is a great book, um, especially if you haven't read many books about social justice and all that stuff. But, like... I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching that. Yeah, that's fair. That is 100% fair. It's wild because, yeah, it just, it tears down that that argument that these teachers are just pushing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pushing. Because yeah. I'm the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys, yeah, you're I not just... afraid of losing your job ever. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's another thing is, like, I don't want to, like, take sides politically, but, like, one side is definitely, like, fear-mongering like they're making parents scared and they're telling these like stories that first of all I'm an educator and I haven't heard about them because it's so like there's always bad teachers out there that are doing inappropriate things like that is not okay but it's happening but like 
I think I should know about a lot of those because I'm an educator. But like I was asking my mom, I'm like, okay, so apparently a lot of these teachers are doing these bad things. Can you give me some examples? Because like I don't know what they're talking about and I'm a literal teacher. And so she gave me some examples and I'm like, okay, first of all, like I think one was about like helping trans kids get like testosterone or something. I'm like, um, first of all, like how? Oh, like, how is that, that happening? That, like, how do they have money for that? Are giving, I'm like, like, hormone blockers to kids. And I was like, they're not a doctor. There's no, so we many can't. other issues happening Oh, my here gosh. That are yeah, and I'm like, yeah, there's so many. Or she, then she did give me an example. And apparently a teacher had, like, students, like, um, rewrite a story, but with, like, gay characters. And so I was like, okay, mom, think about this. Even if you're saying, like, I think you have, parents have a problem with this because it's it, if you're allowing them to write about someone that's gay, then that's saying gay is okay, first of all. So I think that's, like, the underlying message they have a problem with, but they can't really say that. But I'm like, okay, well, as an English teacher, I could do a similar exercise where I'm like, okay, we're going to rewrite Pride and Prejudice, but now the main character is a man. How would that change the story? Okay, now the character is black. How would that change the story? Now the person's gay. How would that change the story? You know? And I'm like, it doesn't. And she's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, but they're taking this example and they're making it seem like the teacher is pushing something on them. And I'm like, you can't push any beliefs on teenagers. Like it's not going to happen. (laughs) Um, And so I just, I really think they're just like trying to scare these parents with these like examples. And then like some of the examples, I'm just like, I don't know how that happened. That's not okay. But like, do you know how many thousands of teachers there are that are not doing that? (laughs) And you should have like how there's so many problems with the education system. And this is what you're focusing on. Like (laughs) it's such a waste. There are so so many problems and you're fighting books. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Oh, it just, it just makes me so upset. Cause I'm like, I know that you care about your kids, but if you cared about your kids, you would put your energy in the right place. And you're just clearly being manipulated to think that books and teachers are the problem. It's also interesting because if any teachers are getting away with pushing their beliefs, it's conservative teachers because they won't get in trouble. Cause oftentimes the parents agree with them, but I'm like, mm-hmm. Like we, you can look around and you can be like, especially within Utah, you can determine a lot of people's political beliefs, whether they're an active LDS member or not. Um, and so first of all, that's like one sign to the students of like, are they LDS or are they not? And so, and if they're not, then like, but are they still this political party or this, you know, like teachers aren't telling them, but kids are smart. They can figure it out. Um, and like the more liberal teachers if they do anything out of line, they will get in trouble. Like they will get caught and they will get chastised and all these things. There are plenty of very uh, conservative teachers that were saying what they thought about things. Like for example, some kids wouldn't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and they'd be like, they'd give them like shit for it. And I'm like, uh, you can't do that. But because it's conservative and a lot of the parents would be like, yeah, they should stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. They can get away, get away with it, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, the irony is not lost on me. So. Yeah. yeah. And I do think it's helpful to also see, like, why that liberals are also participating in book banning, <laughs> you know, for mm-hmm. the other, yeah. for uh, uh, the other extreme. Like, 
Mm -hmm. uh, we've got both sides going, but yeah. we're seeing most of the aggression in these conversations right now at this time, 2023. I'm not saying historically always like this mm -hmm. from the more conservative uh, groups. And I think like that speaks also to what we're banning because like you said, most things that mm -hmm. had to do with so sexual orientation or identity, also race and um, yeah. politics. It's another big one, yeah. Anything that has to do with race or identity. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. wild for teenagers who are going through all of those things. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the time for them to read that stuff and not feel alone. And especially in Utah, I can only speak about this with Utah because I don't know the stats for every other state. But I know that the Mountain West has a massive problem with teen suicide. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, it's interesting the ways that we are going about this. And also Utah specifically has, um, in, it's been in the zeitgeist. I'm not sure what the stats are, but it's been in the zeitgeist that, there's a, that homeless youth is more of a problem than in other places. Like Salt Lake mm -hmm. City is kind of a hub for that. And a lot yeah. of the time it is kids that are not the stereotypical straight white kid. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of kids are disowned for their orientation or identity. And so when we do have these conversations, there are implications that happen when you ban books, when you say that this is an evil thing mm -hmm. to think about, even to mm -hmm. even read about. Um, that has that like has a massive echo. And I mm -hmm. don't think parents understand what that means. You know, yeah. like I like the parents that are sitting quietly. I don't know if we all understand. I think these this is like a call to action that like, yeah, when one parent is going up there fighting against this thing, you don't want your kid to believe that that idea is evil. You you this is your moment to stand up against, you know, to speak up as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like the wife in Field of Dreams. I think of her all the time. I don't remember her name, but she gets up there. <laughs> Do you guys remember this movie? I don't remember the one. Don't, incredible <laughs> no, I've seen film. Incredible. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the film. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, there's like a point where they're banning a book in the community, and um, the what, how, the wifey goes up and she's like super mad and she like is screaming mm -hmm. about it, and it turns out that it's that author that has like the secret to like the field. So then, mm. um, whatever his name is, the Yellowstone dude goes back and, like, has to go figure that out. And it's, like, James Earl Jones. But, um, but like, she's up there, like, fighting for this book. And it is such a cool scene. Um, and we just don't have that. We've got the people doing the opposite. We don't have the people yeah. fighting for these books. And that's where mm -hmm. we, we need to start standing up now. Mm -hmm. That is something that's happening with uh, just education in general within Utah, at least. I know it's happening other places, but there's like a few parents who get these other parents really riled up and like scared. Yeah. And like, I understand, like you want your kids to be safe and like, yeah, I get that. Um, but they like get all these parents and so they get a group and then they go and they come up with like a speech. But since you're only allotted so many minutes, they will just like read off parts of the speech. And so they just take over the whole meeting. And if there aren't any parents on the other side aware that this is gonna happen, then there's no one to fight them. And so it's just like they are, because like the parents on the other side, they're just like, I don't have a problem with what's going on. So they're not looking to voice their opinions yeah. but the parents that have a problem are then going to be there and then no one to fight on the other side. And so it's like a really just like, it, the 
the message that's like being shared at these like legislative meetings or just like the ones of the community are like not representing the actual community. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. these are these like handful of really upset parents and the rest don't care so they're not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like if you have a problem with something then you're going to be there and everyone else who is the majority isn't going to be there and then yeah. this uh it, yeah. So Yeah. It is it is yeah, it's not representative at all. So what we're saying is just people just need to get more involved. <laughs> Go fight for your books. Go fight mm-hmm. for them. Seriously. Yeah. They can't speak for themselves. Even though they would if they were on the shelf. Sorry. Our education system's kind of screwed. Like, we yeah. will agree with you on that. So, like, yeah. let's work on it. Together. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah. you're going to need us. And we're dropping, like, flies. And yeah. suddenly you're going to be like, oh, now we have to hire people that aren't educators to watch our kids. And then we're going to realize, oh, actually... They kind did make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're actually trained for this job, which is highly yeah. important because they're spending the majority of time with our child. Yeah. Yeah. They're actively choosing to be with kids instead of adults in the workplace. <laughs> and and as much as we love your kids. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think I just like, I want parents to know like most teachers have good intentions at least from my perspective, we are terrified to be seen as a teacher that's indoctrinating your child. Yeah. Like, even if I could get away with it, I don't want to do that. I want them to think for themselves. Yeah. Um, if a kid can, like, write a paper that's, like, arguing um, a, a position that I don't agree with and it's well-written, that is amazing. And I would love to read that because yeah. that may help me understand the situation or whatever better. Um that's but we have to be, that means that we have to actually like allow them to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're at the point where I'm like, no, we're not going to do this topic. We're not going to do this topic. We're not going to do this one because it's just so con- controversial and like we're not above our own biases at this point. So it's, it's, we're screwed. And that's very, sorry, the cat's going crazy. Okay. But yeah, it's just like we're, we're like doing a disservice to ourselves. So yeah, because where mm-hmm. else can you talk about that stuff? And receive yeah. pushback. Like, where do you learn that critical thinking skill? That muscle's not being exercised at home, obviously. Um, yeah, trying to get in. Oh, my gosh. Let the cat in. Oh, um, he let, yeah, he let the cat in. Eden, <laughs> I don't have any other questions, comments, or concerns. Do you for Kristen? I don't. That was a very good conversation. Thank you, Kristen. Kristen, seriously, thank you so much for your perspective. <laughs> and yeah. just, you're such an... You will forever be one of the most interesting people in... In my wow. zeitgeist, I don't even know if I use that word right. But we just don't know how to use that word, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Teacher of the year. Any- <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything other? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, hmm. Why do you guys think To Kill a Mockingbird is, is banned often? <laughs> Probably because of all, the list of all the things you listed earlier, Nicole. And then I think... The contemporary reason is for the white savior aspect. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, because like before it was more like there's rape, there's uh like racism, but it's like it's as in like it's just mean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was really just the stuff and like this is like intense stuff. Like it's real mm-hmm. conflict. Um maybe this is too much for our kids to read. And now mm-hmm. a lot of times it's more like 
Yeah, there's a lot of other books that, like, tackle racism that won't have, like, the white guy being the savior yeah. or the, you know, um, or maybe we could focus on one that has more actual black characters and they aren't just some stereotype or something. Um, and so I think the reason it, it like, try, it, it's, there's so many attempts to ban it and it depends on where you live and all those things. But like normally it just holds up just because so many people have read the book and mm-hmm. because they actually read it. Unlike a lot of the people who b- try to ban books have never read the book. They're like, yeah, it's not problematic. Like maybe it's hard to talk about and yeah. there are difficult messages and things, but like, oh, ultimately if you actually read the book like it is worthwhile yeah and so i think because so many people actually have read it they're like yeah it's fine (laughs) yeah in other words yeah a solution to all of this book banning is actually have the parent read the book and -hmm. understand it um the the one parent in the school district that's grumpy um the reasons why (laughs) this book was banned is it start the first banning was in um, the 70s and it was because of the words damn and whore lady and then it continues on <laughs> um, because oh it does psychological damage to the positive integration process and represents uh, institutionalized racism under the guise of good literature that was by black parents actually and then mm-hmm. later on it was banned because it contained profanity and racial slurs by white and that was white parents Actually, this book was banned a lot by different um, organizations of African-American leadership, um, specifically the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, um, thought it was unfit for junior high use. Um, but then, but most recently, and that was like in the 90s, but most recently it was banned because of the N-word. <laughs> and then one guy in New Jersey was like, it's, it depicts um, how African-Americans are treated by members by a right, racist white community in Alabama. And this guy was worried that it would upset the African-American children reading it. Yeah. So I guess he's just protecting, that person was just protecting the children from knowing history. Which is, a sh- which is horrible. Our history is awful. Let's just get that straight. It, is, mm-hmm. it can be yeah. re-traumatizing for people who have experienced awful things mm-hmm. to learn that it's been happening for a long time but also we're bound to repeat it, it if we don't talk about it yeah it yeah. would be interesting because like well first of all like yeah we i think you should read books that make you feel sad and uncomfortable but it's like yeah are all the books that have black characters like a sad story because then that's not fair to the black kids like they deserve to read yeah. something with a happy ending or yeah. hope but um uh I guess the the same can't be said for, like, white kids, where it's like, oh, it makes you feel sad. Well, like, you have so many other books that have happy endings, you know? <laughs> but um, I think... Oh, what was I saying? I don't remember. I guess that's a, that's a point that I have. No, it's, it's interesting. Just like, well, interesting. Or just too. hearing, like, I haven't heard the perspective from a black person of what they think about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Because I've had, like, a hand, like, we're in Utah, and even though I have taught at more diverse schools, it it tends to be more, like, Latino populations or Polynesians or something like that, hardly any African-American students. So even when I do have them, obviously, I'm not going to ask them, (laughs) you know, I'm not going (laughs) to single them out, because that's, like, a definite thing that I know not to do, but, like, yeah, yeah, like, a lot of white people are going to be like, it's a great book, (laughs) and I'm like, do black people agree, you know? 
because mm-hmm. yeah, like it's not making them the best person in it, and there's just a couple characters that are actually black and not happy time for yeah. them. What's also so I would that- I would be interested. Huckleberry Finn wasn't, I didn't see any cases, and maybe we don't have every single case because it's banned all and challenged all the time, but um, by, um, like, organizations um, centered around African-American families, whereas this book does have a lot more black parents that are complaining against it, whereas, yeah, yeah, Huckleberry Finn didn't, whereas Huckleberry Finn, way more N-words, and... um, So many, yeah. So I don't know, so that's interesting, and maybe it is... That Huck, Huck is a flawed character, and maybe it's also because it's also a Mark Twain book. was uh, <laughs> like he wasn't the white savior that we all want. That Atticus, right, did. right. And also, Mark he Twain was, was uh, uh, abolitionist as well, so yeah. that could be. And we don't really have a lot of evidence of Harper Lee being a huge civil rights. Maybe we do. I don't know. But I haven't really... Not till like, she came out with Go Tell and I Watch Men. Is that what it's called? Yeah. You know, you didn't, like, really see much besides that book. And then later on, you're like, oh, look how flawed Atticus is. I haven't even read it. But I just... I'm aware that, like, once... uh, What is her name? (laughs) Harper. No, the main character. Oh, my gosh. Scout. Yeah. Wow. Um, like, once she grows up, then she sees her dad for, like, a more realistic view, and it's like, oh, he actually is very flawed. Um, you don't really get that into Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. That's really true. But also, do we count that book because she didn't even know it was being published? I don't know. I haven't read it. (laughs) Being published without her consent. So, I don't know. I don't think we count it. I don't count it ethically. But it was published without her consent? No, it was published without her consent. She did not know. That was supposed to be a first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. And she has dementia. Very old lady living her life. And um, she, uh, yeah, it was published without her knowing. And she's, like, still not aware of its publication. But Wow. So it was, like, the dealings of it are very shady of how it all went down. It felt like a big money grab. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't sure. want an unfinished work or a first draft of something published mm-hmm. and then, you know, so that's also yeah, why yeah. it's like, I don't know. Um, one last thing about the banning is that a lot of people are claiming that this book promotes white supremacy. And I don't think it's the lib, I don't think that it's the perspective of like the nuance of white saviorism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's people who genuinely haven't read the book. Because yeah. that's the thing, because there's nothing nuanced about this complaint. It just says it has racial slurs, racial division, and it's about a segregated community and therefore promotes white supremacy. So, and also there, it contains adult themes such as sexual intercourse, rape, and incest. And that was a middle school in Tennessee. So I, like, to me, that doesn't say that that per- that says that that person actually hasn't read the book. Because yeah. then that means every book about segregation is promoting white supremacy. Yeah, so yeah. I it's think like they're, they're just tacking like, on They have more conservative, but they're like, I'm going to say this thing because that's what makes yes. liberals mad. So well, like, yeah. and it's also promoting that, white supremacy even though they're talking about how it's bad. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it does feel like they just listed a complaint. Like it started off with like yeah. sexual content and then they just kind of listed, tacked on more and more complaints to give themselves a good enough case, you know? So yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know, but it did win the 1961 Pulitzer Prize. So, mm-hmm. thank you, Harper. Um, love the book. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> love books. Very love them. We love books. We all love books. Um, well, thank you, Kristen. Kristen, if you yeah. ever want to come on again, please come on to her. But um, seriously, your perspective is so helpful because I think it is helpful for people to know it's not like all parents are evil, and also that like you are afraid to teach openly like you're afraid to teach what you're supposed to teach and that is wild that is like very troubling to hear that like and I know that's not the only reason why you left teaching but I'm sure that didn't feel good to be on your on guard all the time it definitely and it was growing you know like I've always been like I'm aware I'm like I'm an English teacher so I'm you know I'm walking a fine line but it definitely like just from teaching at Payson where I should have felt more unsure yeah. And then just within, like, five years, I was just like, I don't know about this book anymore. It was written by a BYU professor. Like, that just shows it really does feel different. Where I just yeah. feel like you can't talk about any type of political anything. Burn This Book is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Wen. Music written by me, Nicola Corin, and produced and performed by my dad, Frank. <laughs>